0: Okay, I'm going to try to give this a shot. Um, A standard proof text for eternal hell is um, Matthew 25. Um, uh, What this verse appears to show us is that um, Ionios, at least in that verse or that context, means um, eternal. But um, my question is, what does eternal mean? How should that be understood? For people who say that they don't do philosophy, they get their whole worldview out of the Bible. It's not tainted by philosophy. They're not leaning on their own understanding. Whether they admit it or not, they're going to have to start doing philosophy when they start trying to argue that Ionios means um, what they want it to mean. Some people say that Ionios means otherworldly. Some say it that it means that it's just of God or from God um, without any necessary implication for, you know, duration. Some say that it reflects God's eternal purposes and the consequences stand eternally, but the operation of punishment does not necessarily last forever. So the people who... Um, affirm eternal hell are obviously going to want to push back on this and say no. What Ionios means is that um, just like the life of the sheep, um, the the Ionios punishment lasts for all eternity. Now, what needs to be appreciated here is that if you make a claim like that, you're assuming it's meaningful. If I say it's not meaningful, you're going to want to argue back and say, <laughs> it is meaningful. But the claim that a statement like, for all eternity is meaningful, that is that is a philosophical claim. You're going to be doing philosophy if you're going to try to defend this understanding of Ionias, something lasting for all eternity. So let's try to make sense of what it can mean for something to last for all eternity. And again, I'll, I'll say that, you know, whoever contends this is the meaning of Ionios is the one who took the debate to a philosophical level because they weren't content to let it be a vague word because that's all we, we really have in scripture. Ionios is a vague word, it's not easy to understand. Most of the time, it means something, you know, that doesn't last forever and it has all these weird other connotations. Um, so, anyway, let's try to make sense of something lasting for all eternity. Um, is it legitimate? To uh, speak of an actual infinity, can you exhaust infinity? Can you count to the end of an infinite series? Because when I hear a phrase like, um, it lasts for all eternity, that to me it sounds like it's saying it, it, it goes to, to the last number of an infinite series. There just seems like there's a category error here. And you might say, no, come on, it's a perfectly normal and natural way of talking, and we all know what it means. Do we? Because if, if all eternity is a legitimate use of words, that suggests, you know, all, its complement is in, you know, parts. The totality is defined against the notion of something being a part or a piece. Can we legitimately speak of parts of eternity that are, that are less than eternal or less than infinite? So, like, for example, can I have half of eternity and that's just one half of eternity? I have to add it to the other half of eternity to get one whole eternity? No, it doesn't work like that. Half of eternity is still eternity. So that means notions here, like all or half or part, you know, they don't they don't have any meaning as applied to eternity. See, I'm going to submit that the, the way to understand... Um, a word like ionios or eternal for that matter, understood like duratively, durationally, it is it is as something which lasts indefinitely. And what what does that mean? Well, I, I'm, I'm saying it lasts for an unspecified period. Yeah, okay, but how long is the period? It doesn't say it's not specified. And that's not gonna be that's not gonna be satisfactory for people who wanna insist that it means no, it's it's forever, ever. Um, it's for all eternity, as though those words mean something. Um, but that's kind of the situation that you're in. Um, if, you, if you want to try to give some more specific meaning um, to the word Ionias that serves your theological agenda, you're perforce doing philosophy, and the philosophy that you're doing is kind of difficult. It's obviously difficult to think about eternity and infinity, and it's interesting that, that, at least for me, when I was looking at the Bible and uh, I understood that the, uh, the word Ionias is kind of meant to translate um, a Hebrew or Arab, uh, Aramaic word, um, olam, um, or the Aramaic equivalent, um, that just sort of means up to the horizon, or, you know, it can mean up to the horizon and beyond, um, it's as long as something finite. Um, you know, I thought, doesn't that sound like a kind of primitive understanding of eternity or infinity? Because they have to concretize it. And, the, and, you know, the age of ages. Why not just say eternity? Why, why, why do you have to make it so concrete? You know, what do these people have trouble with abstract thought? And upon delving into it, I realized that they have a, the more sophisticated understanding because they realize um, the way in which um, eternity is is some kind of like repeating operation of quantification. It's not like it's not it's not really quantitative in the normal sense. Like here, it's it's just some really long. Um, length of linear time and take all of it even though that's kind of implicitly how we moderns think about it i mean it it is ultimately more qualitative it gets more into the nature of like you know the the present moment like the present as such you can't durate it you can't measure it not as such not as what it is um if you try to measure it you're already measuring it as the past something that it isn't and um it's interesting that, that the Bible okay, let me put it like this. See the, the person who's who's insisting that hell has to last forever, ever, ever, um, can say to me, Well, if you don't think that Ionias means that, then what word do we have to describe um, you know, the eternity of God's life? And I think that the Bible has a very sophisticated um answer that question, I think it's in Exodus 3.14, um, in which um, God says, um, I am that I am, a yeh asher a yeh, or I've heard it said, it's, I will become what I will become, um, because it's imperfective. Um, It's a very interesting phrase, and it definitely gets at the the eternal nature of the present moment as such, and and this sort of impossibility of measuring it against anything other than, uh, uh, it itself. So he, now the, um, the, the eternal hell person can come back and say, well, what verse do you have that says we ever have the life of God? Um, probably all of John's gospel is the answer to that. Um, if I'm gonna name specific verses John five twenty-six, John fourteen six, John twenty thirty-one. Let's look at John five twenty-six. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Here's John fourteen six. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then um, in John 20:31, um, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So there you go. you know you got John 20:31 and John 5:26 put those together. you should be good <laughs> if one needs um, you know some kind of certain proof that um, our life is going to be the life of God, which is, uh, who's God, God on some level, it's like he is his life. He is that he is. Now, I mean, if you doubt that it would continue, you know, sort of beyond that, it kind of reminds me of the verse where Jesus says that you being evil still know to give your children good things. So why would you doubt that your father in heaven will give you good things? Um, it's not just because um, the the word ionios doesn't mean some unintelligible um for all eternity meaning um that um we don't have a promise of eternal life. there's other verses first corinthians fifteen forty six um you know that something like the perishable seed that is sown is is raised imperishable it's like you you get a resurrection body that's imperishable but wait, you know the flames are described as unquenchable so if what is unquenchable um, can be quenched, then what if the resurrection body can perish? Um, again, I would say that the the understanding of of eternity that is that is given um, in the Bible, which is kind of inherently indefinite, um, is the correct one, and there's no alternative to that. If you say something is endless, what you really mean is it's it's endless. Over some specified period, you're saying it lasted as long as this, you know, and longer. And so you've got some kind of finite measurement thereby, but as to what's beyond that length is not known. It's not yet quantified. It's not it's that 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 question doesn't yet have an answer. That variable doesn't have a value. I know some people are going to say, well, it's kind of a it's kind of a misnomer, or it's 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 um it's a fallacy to assume that one's own concept of the infinite has itself to be infinite. Like my concept, all eternity, that can be a finite concept, um, but still refer, you know, to to something infinite. But again, you know, my reply is, all eternity as distinct from what half of eternity. These this this is not. These are not intelligible combinations of words. They don't refer to anything. Well, you say, okay, what's eternal lasts indefinitely. Well, but, but you're also saying that you're implying that something indefinite um, can end. Um, if not in this frame um, or age that we are considering, it can perhaps end in the one beyond it um which we have not yet considered and there's something tricky here you know something that reminds me of Hegel's phrase that to know the limit as the limit is already to be beyond the limit and the and the, the fact that um eternity or some anything infinite is is only what it's it's always becoming it's it's kind of it's kind of alternating there's there's um a closing down and there's an opening up. There's a limit that's set, and that creates a wider territory beyond the limit that then has to be expand. That then has to, you know, it expands and then it has to be, um. It has to be um, uh, uh, stopped or limited. And that creates, you know, some kind of um, implicit, you know, territory beyond or outside that limit, and so on. And it just goes on forever and ever which is to say it goes on indefinitely, which it's not to say it goes on for all eternity, whatever that means. So again, uh, here's the objection. If if some uh, indefinite process can conceivably end, which it can, you know, um, if we have the concept of, you know, some indefinite process, uh, that that concept admits of the possibility of, it's ending that's it's it's logically possible um then that means what god's life is is capable of ending cuz god's life is aeonias or or eternal or um unending um uh, but over some uh you know defined uh period and um the period beyond that is you know just undefined um and and this is the these are the strongest um descriptions that we have for God's life and even they don't allow him to be um properly um necessary in the way that we want him to be you know we want we want something that expresses the fact that he exists necessarily he can't he can't conceivably not exist well you know that's that's kind of like where i as an idealist come in and say that if god were to cease existing um you know that that would be an event for that event to be real it would have to be real in somebody's mind but um you know if there were some more ultimate mind in which uh, the demise of god was perceived that mind would be god so in other words i can imagine um torment of an indefinite length um ending but i can't imagine god ceasing to exist i know i'm doing philosophy but you know whoever takes the debate here you know is the one who started it um so no god's god's existence is logically necessary um in a way that goes beyond mere um indefinite um uh, endurance or perdurance god's existence is something like the necessary condition for any um operation of quantification or I mean, in some tricky Chris Langen way that I don't understand or have the vocabulary to explain. It's it's something like a self quantizing, <laughs> uh, self quantizing operation. So I mean, based on the above, and I can't really see a flaw in it. I I see more flaws, and you know what the other side in this hypothetical debate uh, uh, would have to say. Um, I, you know, if you give me a verse like Matthew 25, I'm going to say it means that, um, the goats will be punished for an indefinite period and the, the sheep will have life for an indefinite period. Um, if we're not interpreting it in some other, you know, deeper way, which obviously we should, but you know, it's like, it is, it's a, it's a, it's of it's of, um, the age to come. That means it's in the age of ages. Um, it's not that it lasts all the way through the age of ages. That's an incoherent idea. It lasts all of eternity. What, what? It's like, no, it doesn't make sense. Um, it, 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 it just means it's, it's in it. It means it's of that nature. It means it's of God. It reflects his eternal purposes. Um, you know, there are there are much deeper qualitative ways we can understand this word. But if one is insisting on you know an attempt to understand it quantitatively, I'm going to say it means it lasts for an indefinite period. And then they'll say, well, now you have no basis on which to imagine that the life of believers in Jesus Christ um, does not end at some point. Because what if it just ends, you know? And woe is us. Because suddenly we built our whole understanding of, of, um, uh, you know, the eternal life of believers. We built it on just one verse, apparently. Um, there aren't other verses and there's not a whole gospel, um, the Gospel of John um, you know that that talks about um, our having um, a life in the Son and the life of the Son is the life of the Father. And notice interestingly, a lot of the time it's not even called eternal life. It's just called life. It's just Zoe. Um, Zoe Zoe. You know I, I would submit the way to understand eternal is as um enduring or if you like indefinitely enduring um but it doesn't need to be there um, it, the life of God is understood to be enduring and indefinitely enduring um, but the life of God is something you know deeper than that and wider than that. again, it's more in the nature of 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 I am that I am um, and John's gospel says, uh we have we have the life of God, we have it in, in Jesus by believing in him. I don't think we need to rest it all on one verse, Matthew twenty-five. Should we downplay the warning that Matthew twenty-five represents? No. Um if if what it's saying about hell is that it lasts for an indefinite period, which again is not the right way to look at it, but if you insist on looking at it quantitatively, um then I think that's the most we can say that it says. Um, uh, is that not dire enough? I mean, hell is, um, it's, it's by definition the worst thing that can happen to you and you should avoid it at all costs. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter if, um, we can, uh, say of it that it lasts for all eternity or if we can only say that it lasts an indefinite period. Um, that really shouldn't affect your willingness (laughs) to risk going there. Um, It's by definition the worst thing that can happen to you. You should avoid it at all costs. I don't know how to make it any simpler than that. Okay, hopefully you've enjoyed this sort of short um, ramble on Matthew 25, and I'm sorry if it was um, somewhat cranky. Uh, um, Maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, So... um, Thanks for listening. Um, I'll catch you later. Bye. Oh well, look, I I signed off the episode, but there was another sort of key objection that I didn't address. It's it's like, why would you, um, Cal, uh, me, <laughs> um, why why would you think that? Um, why would you think that the punishment ends with the life doesn't? Why would just why would you think that? again apparently we only have this is the only verse in the bible that exists so um this is the only verse that we're looking at and which can inform our our eschatology but um you know my my answer to that would be that um if punishment is understood as restorative rehabilitative corrective there's every reason to think that it would end it's just a means to an end but life is an end in itself you know again i'm going to quote, um, Thomas Talbot on that. That's the reason. And you should, th- you should expect that the punishment would be good for you. You don't trust your father in heaven to give you good things. So that, that, that would be my response to that objection. You gotta, you gotta go deeper. You gotta go wider. There's more than one, you know, there's, there are more verses than Matthew 25 that talk about the afterlife. You gotta, you gotta put the whole thing together. Okay. Okay. I, <laughs> um, now I'm done. Sorry for being, um, even crankier. Okay, thanks. Bye.